Good morning and good evening, Lisa. How are you doing? How are you doing over there in the UK? All is good. A large majority of the country is in a new tier now, a new lockdown tier. So within the UK, the government have made a bit of a fluff up and they made all these promises about people being able to, over Christmas period, being able to move around and go and see their families for a few days and then we'll have a bit of a, a close down of the economy afterwards. Um, but as it's transpired, there's a new strain of the virus, which has meant that they've had to take a bit of a U-turn on the people moving around and say, right, suddenly we're in mass lockdown. So yeah, we're all in a bit of a strange position. And I hear Sydney is in a similar position too. Is that right? Yeah, it's all gone a little bit crazy this week. After a few cases on the northern beaches, they have, you'll remember this from when you were here. So um, Spitbridge, they've opened Spitbridge so no one can cross Spitbridge. <laughs> So that no one from the northern beaches can travel. They've locked everywhere north of the city down. Yeah, like it's just, just that said, everyone is conforming. They've done 44,000 tests over the past two days and only found eight cases. Um, but they're just doing what they can to stop it flaring back up. So, yeah, there's, there's been a big list released today as to where you can move, depending on what area you're in of Sydney, which just makes it incredibly confusing. And you might as well just sit in your own house all of Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, it's a similar position in the UK. We have each of the nations, the four nations, um, have different processes. So each of the devolved governments have set out different plans uh, and they have done over the last few months. So people get confused, certainly if you're close to the borders. Uh, of course, when there's no hard borders here, people move across them without sort of any blockings or you know any checks. So people don't know what, what is right and what's wrong and you're given different in bits of information. So it's all awfully confusing. But essentially, I think for the most part, just use your common sense. I think that's how, it, how the rules should be. Just don't be stupid. And if you need to wear a mask, wear a mask. So what are your plans for Christmas then? I, I'm assuming it's going to be quite a quiet one. I'm not going to be moving around the northern beaches, but um, no, I'm going to do a Zoom Christmas um, with the UK. But we can't really move anywhere. I'm actually working through Christmas. Um, not on Christmas Day. Um, but I'm working through the middle bit because, um, well, that's the next bit of news, isn't it? But um, we're quite busy, so I'm going to be working through Christmas and I'll just get the public holidays off and we'll hopefully have a bit of sunshine and enjoy it. How about you? Um, similar. Um, I think because of movements here have been limited and restricted to just Christmas Day, so the plan is that people are, are only allowed to mix households on Christmas Day. So we're planning just to go and see um, family on Christmas Day, um, it's a bit of a trek, unfortunately, because my um, Lorraine, my other half, her father is in what's called palliative care. So uh, we're going to go and sort of see him and spend some Christmas with him and uh, uh, Lorraine's mum. And then uh, back after that, and I guess batten down the hatches and just crack on and see in the new year at home. I think that's pretty much all we can do. There's not a lot of movement that can happen here. So we're all a bit limited and it'll be all like an online virtual christmas i guess for most of us um lisa sorry you touched on something there and i'm just going to bring it up quickly uh i think it's worth mentioning is i believe you have a new job is the best way to put it i'll let you explain go for it yeah i just um i guess my news is that i've taken up a role as creative director of a global agency sgk used to be called anthem and mark here they've never had a female creative director before even though they're quite big globally um, and it's just a brand and marketing agency. I wasn't sure I wanted to go back into that world, but everyone I met along this journey when they kind of approached me about the role has just been amazing. So I'm, I'm excited to be working with them. I've been there two weeks now. My head is like a sponge because there's so much to take in. 
But like I'm really excited about where we're taking the agency and like I'm working more in strategy and across the network of all different creative directors. Um, one of our head offices is in Singapore. Um, so yeah, really thrilled to be back in there again, which is why it's been crazy busy. Really exciting. Well done. Congratulations. And I guess the role is still based around working with consumer brands? But as an agency, we're sort in we're sort of branching out into different areas. So a lot of the people that I'm working with have had experience in other areas. So definitely, still our strategist has worked across Shanghai and in some of the premium and in travel and retail as well. Um, so we have, a, do you know what? There are people with all sorts of disciplines and all sorts of experiences, even experiential design from our Portland office. So actually, it's a really nice way. Even though it's a huge global agency and network, everyone feels very local. Yeah. And are you working in the office? Do you have to go into the office? Yeah, we're in the office. Um, most people get the option to work from home two days a week. That's been a bit thrown out this week because a lot of people have had to go and get COVID tests if they were in the northern beaches or on the northern beaches. Um, so it's, ch- it's changing day to day at the moment. But no, we're in the office. Everyone started to come back to the office a month ago, which actually when all of this kicked off the other day, someone did say, well, I'll see you all in seven months when they left at the end of the door. Um, so it's, it's changing day to day, but no, everyone's in the office, which is great because I would, it would be difficult to start with a new team and not see anyone for a long period of time. But no, everyone's in the office. It's super hands-on. We've got some exciting new projects that we've got in the mix. Some clients I've actually worked with in past lives, which is exciting. Um, and I'm still getting involved with lots of webinars and workshops as well. And they're kind of keen for me to grow that side as well. So I'm super excited, crazy busy. It feels like all of this kind of calm year um that has been even though you and i have been busy it's kind of suddenly taken off big stream yeah really good really exciting thanks what about you mark what have you been up to is it slowed down a little bit for christmas because that's normally standard with our industry yes no very much so very much so so um uh there has been sort of not an awful lot of change at this end in terms of uh the process of work so a lot of people are work, still working um remotely and um, that's not changed and certainly more so over the christmas period people have sort of been breaking up almost a little bit earlier the government have sort of suggested that schools need to break up a little bit earlier and go back a bit later over the Christmas period to allow the settling after the mixing of Christmas to give it two or three weeks to allow any pot- potential spread of viruses to be minimalised. So, yeah, work-wise, I think for most people, it'll be picking up again for the 4th of Jan. A lot of people have broken up already. Personally, yeah, it was certainly quieting down on this front here, but seeing lots of movement and sort of rumblings of work that's sort of coming through come January so I think I've got a few contracts coming out um, or beginning in, in January um, I'm just ironing those out at the moment but again still working on a sort of contractual freelance capacity so yeah all good fun all good fun so Lise we titled today's uh, podcast topic as forgive my French here fuck 2020 um, and it, everyone has that same sentiment, I think, about it all. So, right, we've really had enough of this year and we've felt that the world has been on pause, but we're looking forward to 2021. The whole premise behind this podcast is really just a bit of an overview of where we come from this year. Uh, any learnings we perhaps sort of want to uh, share um, and possibly a little bit of an overview of some of the podcasts we've done, because I think we were just saying before that we've managed to do quite a few uh, this year, 13 or 14 at least, and covered some quite deep topics actually. I want to say 
once they shut the gym, we just had multiple podcasts because we didn't know what else to do with our time. <laughs> That's true. That's very like, true. We started, we started the year in such a different space. I can remember we did, we covered consumer trends. That's one of our things that's been a theme throughout the year. We were optimistic. There were all these different spaces we were going to play in. And then all of a sudden by March, the whole world had turned itself upside down and everything we thought was going to be normal and um, was completely different. And I remember even back in March, our podcast was about, oh, look, there's a pandemic. It will be gone in a month or so. We were ever the optimist. I know you got your little fixation with Elon Musk and how he was going to change the world. <laughs> you were booking in that little microchip. and now Still you're love that guy. Still love that guy. He's definitely a legend, but hopefully his, um, his microchip might also include a vaccine or something. <laughs> but then I think, what, once, I think once they closed the gym, that was probably when we both finally hit our limit and went into a bit of a meltdown. It seemed to, as most, like, what a year. Like, it's gone from Groundhog Day. And I know you guys now are talking about Christmas in July for next year, which we do in Sydney every year, Christmas is in July, because that's when it's cold. But I know like it just it just all feels like a movie even again now with your super strain and but yeah we've done we've done so many. I mean, run us through some of those topics, Mark, because I know you've kind of had a bit of a we both had a recap of to go, what did we talk about? Well, I think interesting enough, it's a bit like reading through a journal. Uh, if you've ever written a diary, which I haven't done for an awful long time, and going through, we sort of the, there's the optimism at the start of the year about what's gonna be hot for twenty twenty, and we were looking at things like plant based diets and sort of topics such as gender neutrality and even looking at things like sort of um, the alcohol-free movement and things like that. Then we started looking into um, capturing of data and how it's become becoming the new currency and fintech. Um, and then suddenly, obviously, as you suggested or said, um, in March, the pandemic hit. And then we start going into, you can see almost just from the titles of the podcast. Um, so we move into uh, April, resilience and grit, having been in sort of <laughs> in, um, experienced the initial stage of the pandemic and then feeling the pressure to be productive. And then we start talking about sort of the optimistic side of brand, brand optimism, and then putting things back to basics. It's quite ironically just f- reading through those titles and there's we're coming out and approaching the new normal as it was and then suddenly now we're back into the sort of or what feels like the back into the initial stages of the pandemic it does feel and i think you've titled it somewhere along the line is calling it groundhog day we do feel like we're back where we were in march to a certain extent albeit there have been some big changes and lots of learnings i think we spoke about earlier on didn't we about maslow's hierarchy of needs and the whole switching up of things and i think it's kind of done a bit full circle although i did listen to a podcast earlier today with Darren brown who was on tom billiow i think he was on and he was saying yeah but no one really um people have died of loneliness but no one's really died of not eating a hamburger so he, he twisted maslow's hierarchy of needs on his head to go actually loneliness has been something that's massively highlighted through this pandemic and you know Maslow kind of put it different differently on a hierarchy of needs to actually food and hunger and things like that and their purpose but actually when we talk about some of the consumer trends that we spoke about in January they're all still super relevant but they've actually evolved in different ways so when we talk about the data currency we spoke about giving away data well actually now we're all scanning QR codes to go into cafes. I mean, we've this week, because of this whole COVID scare, our boss has been really great. And he's put a COVID scanner on the building so that when you go into work, you actually have to scan so that we can track and trace really quickly. Um, it's not yet um, managed to teleport us up from floor one to 17, but we'll work on that. Um, but you know, so <laughs> all of these things, you know, it feels a bit like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, you know, but all of these things that we spoke about are actually still super relevant but in different ways. 
Yeah, and you're right there. They have morphed to a certain extent. Interesting enough, talking about the, the what are the, the COVID tracing apps that have been developed, there's been lots of scepticism about the data that's being captured from these apps. And a lot of companies are being almost chastised to a certain extent for um, not, they've not formally told people exactly what they're doing with that data and how it's being um, used. And so people are certainly still cautious of it. I personally am very cautious of it. I haven't, <laughs> I don't know if I should admit this, I haven't used them. In fact, even we went to park the other day and the, uh, there's a parking app you've got to put onto your smartphone to then pay for your um, street parking. And I, I refuse to use it. I don't want, I'd rather pay cash. I don't want these apps on my phone. I don't want to be traced. I don't know what it is, but the older I get, the more skeptical I am of these sorts of things. So, and I don't, I know I'm not the only one. Um, there are lots of people who are sort of cautious, I think, of what's being, data that's being taken from us and perhaps potentially used. But no, there are so many subjects, Lisa, that we've, we've covered, aren't there? There are. And like, I, the data thing is something that, like, I know you've always been really against it. And I kind of go through it in waves. So I don't like the amount of data being captured. But I also think about the safety aspect of, like, you just mentioned cash. And I know, like, we always used to carry cash. I actually walked past, I walked home today and I thought, do you know one person who's really done bad out of all of this is Boskers? Because no longer, like, no one's, no one's carrying cash. Like, we actually, you know, there's some amazing musical talent on the roads at the moment. But you kind of walk past and go, like, I don't carry cash anymore. So it's also, it's actually the touch aspect of it. And I was thinking, even when we talk about fintech and the finance trends and stuff. So that's taken off in two ways. I read something about, there's a Scottish bank that's introduced, people who still like to go into a bank, they've introduced it. So you can still go into a bank and you face a person, but that person is a virtual screen with, you know, a, you know, an automated person on it. So it's not exactly like a robot. It looks like a person, but it's actually an interfacing screen that you can use to do your banking. So, because, you know, we spoke about people who can't get over the barrier. They like that. They like to go into a physical place. Like there are certain, like I don't want to typecast and say only older generations, but a Scottish bank, there's some really interesting stuff on COVID innovations website talks about how we're recreating a human person and there's you know the even the visual form of a human person so that people can recreate it in a safer way i think that's been over quite some time but i think that is one step away from doing everything remotely because that, that's nothing what to say you can't actually log on to that screen or that interface from your own device in any in a cafe at home or wherever so i, I it's almost like a one step away from being completely remote of closely linked aren't they and what were previously polar opposites you either go into the shop or you do it online the worlds are kind of similar technology exists um, and I know we spoke a lot about the age of like automation and stuff like that and virtual economies well that's something that obviously has taken off this year um, you know how we now recreate things virtually like we just already said that we're going to have a zoom Christmas and like we've had these discussions you've probably had them with your family as well to go look it's not the same like, you know, like, I don't really want to have a virtual Christmas with my mum. I'd rather have got back to the UK and spend Christmas with my mum for the first time in a long time. And But it's not possible. And we go back to our podcast on resilience and grit and go, we just got to get through it for the sake of everyone else. There's been a big uproar this week about people. If you're in the northern beaches, you can't get together with anyone. But if you live on the south of Sydney, then you can. And there's been a big uproar. But actually, we've just got to do what we've got to do. Otherwise, we're going to be doing this for the next 10 years and your super strains will get worse. There'll be more pandemics. So we just, you know, you kind of got to suck it up, punk. <laughs> I, well, you know, whilst I agree with them, that's very much my mentality. I think the other thing that's been really 
quite powerful this year is people's awareness uh, and increased awareness of mental well-being well wellness in general i think but certainly mental health uh, and every brand almost wants to be attached to that because people are starting to appreciate and understand that uh, certainly during, during these periods and these festive periods where we're having to sort of adapt to this sort of all these changes quick quickly adapt as well lots of people are being affected by it um, and it's trying it's really really interesting to see how brands are adapting to ensure that obviously hey guys we talk about that human connection and i think we we touched on it before about brands wanting to be or consumers wanting brands to be transparent and honest and almost as if the brands understand them as a consumer and if as that if that brand can associate these themselves with sort of we can help you through this we know it's tough we know you're going through a tough time but we're here for you um, and I think that's it's really interesting. It's something that two, three years ago, people wouldn't have even wanted to come close to. It was a pointless exercise. Why do you want to be attached to mental health? It's not something that we really relate to. But now everyone is fully aware of it. Really interesting. About it a few years ago, didn't we, when we spoke about mindfulness and all that kind of stuff? And I know recently in just the last podcast, we spoke a lot about different apps that were calm or, or all sorts of things to help your mental space. But I think a really good example of that that's actually evolved over the pandemic and I've only been using it more recently is Microsoft Teams and I hate to endorse anything Microsoft because mm. obviously we're <laughs> creative but they've introduced things like a virtual commute which is normally where people disconnect for the day so you can there's this new feature that they've got in Teams where you can almost have that at the end of the day you clock off and there's like a virtual commute based on the idea that you people when they leave work they have half an hour an hour whatever when they're commuting where they do almost zone out and allow themselves to get into the right mindset to go home is that right yeah well you've said about it haven't you, you like to read a book or you like to listen to a podcast and also as well they've also partnered up with headspace so this was also a year of people teaming up brands teaming up um not necessarily the links one that we spoke about but um but, you know brands go what can we do together i know a lot of the bigger um people like unilever and procter and gamble have got together to do sustainability team ups but Microsoft has joined with Headspace to add in different features to Teams. So I think that's something that I definitely think we can look for next year, which brands are going to team up. Um, and even in our industry, like we've got, we're working, I probably don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but we're working with a small challenger brand. But they're looking to get their plant-based product into, um, I guess, the same way that Beyond Meat got into places like Grilled or they got into Burger King. So this small plant-based company is looking to get into um, restaurants and things in the future and so actually working with them to go all right you're not really a Burger King type brand where are we going to position you so it's not brands linking up for the sake of it it's about look you've got a certain level and a certain style how can we together so I think Microsoft and Headspace they're both quite established now so I think them teaming up together is quite an interesting one mm. I think in the past it's always been looked down upon. You, you, people work, these organisations work in silos and you'd never sort of see them attaching themselves to one another and they're almost like uh, arch enemies. But now, as you said, even the likes of, I'm just thinking of other examples, probably big examples, Nike and Apple, who've been working together for quite some time now, but those sorts of partnerships, brand partnerships, are will continue and I completely agree with this and concur with what you're thinking. <clears throat> 2021, we'll see a lot more of that and certainly as the economies are changing, um, and people are some economies are struggling people companies are thinking right how can we ensure that we maintain consumers and they don't go off to competitors what can we do and these partnerships are going to continue It'd be great to see what what does happen next year and who does partner up there'll be some big surprises i think 
I think there'll be some nice ones where you've got smaller um, challenger brands and smaller brands with the bigger ones. So I think, look, Nike and Apple are two of my favorite brands in the world. So you've put like the two dream, I said the dream team there. Um, but I don't know if you managed to look through, there was a really good article by Wonderman Thompson about Gen Z. I did see that, And what that, they're yes. looking for in a post-pandemic world. Some of the statistics in that were fantastic. The 85% of Gen Z people believe brands should be about more than just profit. So I think that's something for next year. It's not just about team up because we are we can make more money together. It's about what can we solve together. And I think that's a nice switch that this year, if nothing else, has taught everyone different types of values. It's not all about money. It's about, you know, because we felt as we're stuck in this vortex. So I think it's really exciting. Some of those statistics are great. About 73% of people want a brand that understands them. Great. Like, how do we show people we understand them? What is interesting is you're talking about the Gen Z leads or Gen Z, um, how their voice is now becoming quite important to all the all the brands. In the past, they, they were quite uh, muted. Even the millennials, for example, what they had to say was almost sidelined by those people, those sort of older generations. But now everyone is listening to the, the younger consumers and more so now than ever. I also think as well this year has been very much about inclusive, inclusive design, inclusive thinking. So, yeah, we're just talking about Gen Z. And before, I guess we were in that awesome catchment of in being in the millennials and people listen to us and it's changing. You've got the Greta Thunbergs and people are listening to a younger generation. But actually, there was some really interesting stuff for older generations. I know um, there's an agency based here called Thinkabell, and they did a study that found they found that um, only 5% of staff in creative industries were over 55, which I found like our industry, we're a creative industry. That was astounding. So they've set up what is like a, oh, what do you call it? Normally have an intern in, but those that internship has to be in the older age bracket. So I think, I mean, look, you can argue whether or not that then puts you in a different box because you're still in a box. It's just an older box. Um, but I think just it's it's raised our awareness this year of so many things. And that can only be a good thing of, of isolation, of loneliness, of mental health, of transparency and what people actually want from brands. Because there was a lot of assumptions made before this year. I think that the biggest subject of sustainability um, that if you remember at the back end of last year, David Attenborough and, and the sort of similar voices to that uh, were singing, obviously, how important it was to make sure we look after our planet. And then we had the initial stage of the lockdown where people were starting to compare and say, oh, my goodness, with less travel happening, look at the differences that are being made across the world. You know, the seas were becoming clearer. The skies were becoming cleaner. Oh, the air was becoming cleaner. And obviously, it didn't take long for that to sort of go back to, uh, you know, we need to kickstart the economy again. And then suddenly where people were traveling around, moving around more and sort of that message hasn't quite been forgotten yet. I think people will still remember it. But then you have the big movements, such as the Black Lives Movement and the sort of movements attached to it. These voices now, which they haven't been heard before, are now obviously being listened to. And I think that all, that all feeds back to all of those trends that we spoke about at the beginning. So we're talking about like, you know, sustainability and our responsibility to the planet goes back to transparency is a big trend. And that's that's going to grow and equality and those kind of things as well. Um, but I think even how it feeds down to the smaller ones. So all of your sustainability goes down to the rise in plant based meat, like how big as that area or even lab grown meat as well. All of these things are starting to, we're working with some really exciting clients at the minute. Actually, one's in the keto space, which is interesting. I joined this agency and they said, oh, this is one of our brands. We're working with these people to help them get out there in the world. And it's a keto brand. So after all of innovation, I was very excited. I'm like, I know them already. <laughs> They're amazing. But yeah, 
carbon labeling and things like that have become more prominent this year. So people are starting, we, we work with a major retailer here at the agency I'm at, and they started putting on their packaging almost what percentage of that packaging is sustainable because people care about it. And that's actually replaced some of the other stuff that used to go on the front that's now taken as a given. So actually our messaging systems and what we look for as consumers has changed because of this year. It was coming anyway, but I actually think this this year has accelerated some of the things we would have been waiting for in five years' time. Hugely, yeah. I mean, interesting enough, you talk about that. Packaging formats for a lot of our FMCG products have been changing over this last year. And I think that's been accelerated once again by the pandemic. So lots more products now in paper rather than plastic. And interesting enough, Lorraine um, bought some produce yesterday and most of the time they're normally in, in plastic um and she's brought a new brand which was um in paper it says the reason i bought it was because it was in paper um and i think most consumers are and are directing themselves in that way now and they're consciously making those purchases given the you know on the base on the fact is, is it a ethically sustainable product and is it using packaging formats which we know are recyclable on a side note, Mark, your addiction to oats means you're no longer carnivore. <laughs> yeah, Do you know, let's it, touch on that very quickly. You know, I'm finding it really difficult to step away from that carnivore approach where trying to consume as much protein and meat as possible. And I'm every meal, I'm still doing it. And almost the, the greens and the veggies have been not totally sidelined, but they're certainly at a smaller percentage than they have been in the past. Um, so I'm really consciously having to write. I make. I've got to make some and eat some vegetables today. <laughs> and oats is a given. I'll have those in the mornings and in the evenings. The whole meat eating approach. I can't shake it off. I love it. And I'll be honest. Like there's obviously been quite a lot. Of, obviously, I started this new agency, so there's been quite a few um, team meetings. There's been like lunches and kind of introductions and welcomes and things. We've even taken clients out for lunch and stuff. But I found it really. I keep with the keto. Like I'm so conscious of what I'm having now. It makes me feel so much better. But actually, I just, I mean, look, if I go out, I'm not going to like watch exactly what I'm having. But like I've not really switched back all that much at all. I still like making keto things and finding new brands. So I actually do feel so much better. I've not, and they do say 30 days to change a habit. Actually, I think it would take me just as long to change back again. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I'm in a similar position you know, whilst I understand the ethics behind not eating so much meat in your diet, if you enjoy something, <laughs> that's that balance. Is I've you know, it's a conscious decision I make to think right. I know this isn't necessarily the right approach, um, and perhaps there are other changes I can make in order to sort of counteract it. Um, but certainly, I, my meat consumption hasn't reduced since November. So. I'm, I'm also looking forward to Christmas, a big bloody turkey. Potentially as well, I guess, just the sourcing at least of that meat would be grass-fed or where, wherever possible, organic. We're on the, in the presses of making a big sort of um, family move from um, into the country. We're going to move into Devon, which is in the southwest of England, um, and a bit of land. And my dream is to have sort of growing our own animals and growing our own sort of livestock to uh, feed off so it's, it's a big dream to be able to be self-sufficient to a certain extent do you know Lise, i'm going to do a bit of a flip i'm going to do a, bit of a flip here because there's another subject i want to touch on which i find thoroughly interesting is the whole virtual aspect of way in which we are now having to work how i'm just interested to get your thoughts on this and how you think we as a sort of um, as, as a creative community are going to adapt to it because i know that we've um over this last 
certainly nine months we've within the creative industry we've had to adapt and all of our teams where we'd normally sit around a table and thrash around some ideas amongst us and sort of face to face and sketch stuff out together which we as a creative community we've been doing for years decades in fact that's how we work and suddenly we're having to do this in a remote aspect and funny enough you mentioned microsoft teams so having having to sort of move into this sort of remote forcing ourselves into this remote way of working and not only are we having to adapt to that, but the other thing is, as creators, we probably have a, a nice sort of space in where, where we used to work, sort of a nice studio space. But now, creative individuals are having to work in their own spaces at home. So spare rooms, maybe if they're lucky enough to have a home office, um, some might be work on their kitchen table. And, you know, what's most important to us is our own environments and how in which we work within those environments. And suddenly that's been taken away from us. First of all, how do you think it's going to change the way in which the creative output that we all sort of produce? Is it going to slow the process down? Will it increase the speed in which we're able to sort of be creative? And secondly, do you, do you think it's going to change for the better and permanently are we going to have to work like this? about being forced to do it is and everyone has been forced to do it is that at first it was quite difficult and look I've spoken to the people at the agency at, uh, I'm at now and we have you know a team of like 20 creatives or whatever that suddenly had to pack up their Macs and go home and I think there were challenges more for some there's a couple of people who've still been into the studio for the whole time because they just can't work at home and so I think it's good that we've been forced to connect in that way because if anything ever happens in the future it also has proven that Working from home is possible. It means that you can be just as productive. Sometimes you can be more productive. It really depends on the person. And the environment they were at home. If you've got a young family, for example, and having to work, I mean, I speak from experience here. When you have a young family and you're working in a small environment, small space, it does present some challenges and you have to be, you, you, people are having to work in a very different way, I think, and potentially change their working hours and they have to be a bit more flexible and sort of, their main productivity, day work, if you like, might have to shift into the evening when people are asleep or kids are sort of out of the house in some ways. And I think that's definitely one of the challenges, but also we've seen a lot this year of people who've, whilst we've cut back on certain types of spending because we're not traveling or we're not, you know, going out and enjoying ourselves, there's been a lot more spend this year on home solutions, so home spaces. And actually, like, I'm someone who I know, I, like, I don't have all of the challenges that you have, like, small kids at home, or I do have, now have a little kitten. Um, but I don't have all of those challenges. But one thing I do struggle with is that I don't spend a lot of time at home. Even when I'm working, like, I like to go out. I'll go out walking. Or I'll, even when I'm working, like, I'll take my work somewhere else, whether it's a cafe, whether it's a shared workspace. I actually, I'm not really a homebody. And so this year, if nothing has taught me to actually learn to exist at home, and actually figure it out, which most people would go, but you don't have all of the challenges of family. You go, no, but I'm not very good at actually spending time at home. I'm not a home person. It comes from a background thing of like not, you know, like it, there's other reasons for it. So actually this year's taught me to be in the space that I'm in and just figure it out and actually just get it done. Some people, even, even with no distractions, aren't very good at getting it done. Like we, we need the other people around us to force us to get it, to get, to be productive. And I think the interesting thing, because like we've been on teams, there are still a few people at the moment. And we also, as the agency I work at, like I've been talking to the Singapore studio quite a lot. It's helped that. So they've definitely said to me this year, we've spoken more to every other studio than we ever have done ever. Yeah, I've, do you know, I've actually seen that too, where agencies I've been working with the last year, those of which have uh, multiple sites across different countries, have 
they've been reluctant to do it in the past actually is shifting work from studio to studio and partly because the process in which they've been working in a virtual capacity has improved it's enabled them to sort of suddenly sort of take work from a, let's say for example a new york office and get some of the guy the creative over there to work on some of the london work and vice versa and i think that whole collaboration is is only improving it's been awesome to be back in a studio with real creative people even safe distance and even even if we're remote teaming into someone else the fact that there's two of us in the same room it just feels less isolating so i think it's good that we can it's great that we've got this connection with different studios and different um spaces around the world so it becomes that if you if a studio wants to use you and they're in new york and you're in london it doesn't matter i think that's fantastic but i do also think there's such a merit to being in the same space do you think that um because i often think about this because a lot of the agencies i've worked with in the past um have obviously prided themselves on having a beautiful working space a lovely studio environment that sort of environment, I think, is going to completely change now. They'll have, I'm imagining that a lot of the agencies will reduce their um, physical space um, and have a lot of the teams working remotely. They'll obviously want certain things like board meetings and, uh, to a certain aspect, some team meetings to be held in, obviously, one particular physical space. Um, but I do think that a lot of agencies now are going to start reducing their office space down um, substantially. Do you think that depends on the kind of agency as well that it is? Because it, like... At the moment, we are in a studio that in two years' time, the lease is up. We don't have enough space <laughs> because we have, two photo- we have two in-house photography studios and there's not enough space for them to expand. So there are certain disciplines, like you can't, you can't remote do photography shoots. And so I think it depends what area of creative maybe that you're in. I think so. But even that, I think those sort of do adapt. So in the previously, they'll have used when they're designing agency sets themselves up and they have a client that requires photography initially they may very well use um, an external photographer and it may well be they have a separate photography site set up where the photographers go to um, and yet the rest of the team they'll log in remotely and they'll sort of be able to manage an art direct in a remote capacity um, but they can still be working remotely. I'm, I'm you know I'm just sort of trying to think how it's all going to sort of change and how next year what's going to happen to these have you, have you? I don't know if Sydney's the same, but certainly here in certain parts of London and certainly Nottingham, lots of shops boarded up, lots of office spaces not being used. Even though it's quieter at Christmas, there are so many retail spaces closing up. It's exactly the same here. Even though we've not been hit anywhere near as bad, like there are so many stores. There are so many, like you say, cafes, small shops, retailers, all sorts of things just disappearing. I think next year or not, whether it's next year or whoever knows when we finally start to move back towards a, a kind of reality is that it will be become the, the year of the pop-up. So I think things will pop up and test and try in all of these spaces to see if it works. Um, I know one of the notes I wrote down was this year has been a year of virtual world. So we've thought of, from a work point of view, we've just talked about from a health point of view, I think things like gyms will really struggle in the future because I know so many people who won't go back into a gym because they can do so many virtual things. We've learned to do so many things online, even doctors. So you, you can have virtual consultants now. And whilst a lot of people were against it before, they're like, no, I like to go in and see a doctor. Because we've been forced to, we've realized actually it's not that bad. It's in some ways better. So I think all of these things will never go back to exactly as they were before. I think things like concerts, I think things like cinemas will eventually 
come back to normal. But we've also got to build up people's trust in them again as well. Like I, do, I know your cinemas there are closed, ours are open. But I know when, when, we, when we first went back to the cinema here, there's just that anxiousness. Travel, even people who are seasoned travellers like you or I, there's a still a bit of an anxiousness to go like, I'm not sure I'm ready to go back into that space yet. Well, I think the challenge at the moment is if you do travel, certainly from the UK, there's every chance you're going to be trapped and you can't get back. So if you're lucky enough to get out, you can't get back in again. So a lot of people are just thinking, listen, I'm going to stay here just in case. So Lise, um, rounding things up, what are you looking forward to next year then mostly in terms of um, where the where the economy is going, what's happening in our sort of the creative community? Well, look, I'm in a completely different space in that, like in the creative industries, we have the chance to shape how the world wakes up. And for me, like, obviously, I want everything I was excited about this year. But because our eyes are open to different modes and methods and forms, like even this year for, for you and I, we're generally quite comfortable in our spaces and what we're doing. But it's thrown even us, you know, like people, you know, we were talking about resilience and grit. And we were at times having meltdowns. You and I would call about a podcast and go like, even I don't know if I'm coping. And we're the ones that come on a podcast and go, this is how you cope. This is what's exciting. And we are, we're some of the most, you know, we come with an optimistic viewpoint. And I know there were times that even you or I were like, I don't know, like I'm rethinking about this. Like, where's it going to go? So I actually think it's opened our eyes to things that we took for granted. I'm excited by the fact that this, this bold pivot thing, you know, that really excites me. The fact that Everything we thought and took for granted has changed. How do we think forward? And that excites me, even from a studio creative capacity, even from a retail brand or what might what might come of it, because everything that we, we took for granted has changed. And I that that's that's awesome. Who knows? It's probably going to be not till 2023 now. We might still have another couple of parked years or whatever. But um, but we can hope and dream. And definitely, I know we spoke last year and I had a big moan about Pantone's colour of the year being like a subdued blue calm blue and I was a bit like this isn't optimistic it's not very exciting this doesn't fill me with joy look at it it's really boring and then it felt exactly like this year like everything was on pause no one quite knew what was going on and so this they've actually released two colors this year I don't know if you've seen it in the media but they've released have you seen it what do you think to this year's colors mark Oh, obviously, I love the grey. Naturally, it's a it's a beautiful colour. It's your trademark and name. What was the reason? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, what was the reason for being two colours? I don't quite didn't quite get through to that. I think they were just trying to wing it in case it didn't turn out quite as we anticipated. <laughs> I think for me, for me, from next year, I think you said you mentioned it before about pop up pop-up industry if you like then and i think that's going to be a big thing next year and it means that sort of people can test and trial things and i think even for brands they'll probably be doing the same thing and people expectations from people aren't as high as they were previously i was having a discussion yesterday about the fact that if you think three or four years ago if you were watching um let's say the bbc a news channel and you were to see low quality video footage you would you would dismiss it and think that's rubbish. I'm not going to don't believe that. It's someone's mobile footage. I don't. I'm not going to watch it. Now it's complete standard. Any TV program you watch, you you would accept the fact that the world has changed. We now accept less quality video footage or screen footage just because that's all the person's has at the time. And I think that to a certain extent, that's probably with everything else as well. People have a sort of expectations have been lowered somewhat because people understand. You know. The economy is struggling. People can't get hold of certain things. So um, I think for next year, it's going to be a, very loose in terms of what people's expectations are. I think, and 
and I guess that Wonderman Thompson thing would prove that actually it's not so much that we've got lower expectations, but actually we value the quality of that content rather than it's like not that sorry sorry I've got that completely the wrong way around. It's what it's it's what it's what the content is rather than the quality of the content. So it's almost like it's not how, how it's not your pixels. It's what what it actually means. What does it represent? Because I think it's been a year where we've all started to question what our purpose is, which, you know, if we go back to our whole Simon Sinek thing, like, why are we actually here has become more relevant into it's not about how can I make more dollars? How can I make more money? It's about what am I actually leaving behind? What is my purpose? And I think people have started to think differently. So brands are also going to have to think differently to service those needs. Because like you say, we're not we're not bothered about whether something is on the BBC and it's not a very good quality image. We're bothered about what that image is telling us or what it's me it's meaning to us. And I think that's exciting. We've also you spoke about it. The sense of community has been brilliant this year as to what can I what can I do for other people? Never mind me. I can actually help someone else. That's more critical than just what's in it for us. I think that's exciting. That's really great for next year despite the sort of the position we all find ourselves in there is a lot to look forward to for next year and with elon musk in mind i'm also looking forward to new technologies and what else is going to be make our lives um easier to adapt to these new changes i think like this year this year has been the year of pause but i actually feel like next year is going to be the year of brave so i think this year people have kind of got through like we've been quite resilient and i think next year is the year that we're going to evolve. Some of the things that we started this year get to grow and evolve. And I think that's, we've got, we better plan some more podcasts for next year, haven't we? <laughs> uh, we will. We'll have plenty more to talk about um, and we'll just maintain the optimism. <laughs> that's all we can do. <laughs> Sounds good. Lisa, this has been brilliant. Thank you ever so much. Um, and of course, we're getting at that point now where we have to wish each other a happy Christmas. And if we don't speak beforehand, a wonderful new year. And again, same to all our listeners. Um, Lisa, I know we do this every time. I'm going to ask you um, what your contacts are and people want to have a chat with you, sort of see what you're up to or see if you can help them out in any way particular, in particular. How do people get in contact with you? Well, first of all, thanks to everyone for listening to us and supporting us through this year. And we're looking forward to more next year. Um, have an amazing holiday season, whatever, however which way, stay safe and everything. Um, Lisa Hastings on LinkedIn, um, Shoebox20 on Instagram and lisahastings.me or I'm not even going to do the agency thing because I don't want to do a gratuitous plug. Um, what about you, Mark? Are you going to drop all yours? Next year is the year that Mark Gray remembers all of his Instagram <laughs> handles and put, puts them at the end of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, um, they'll be on the show notes. Uh, another good way of connecting with me is via LinkedIn. I think that's the, that's the easiest way to do it. And yes, I do need to learn that. Maybe that's my Christmas present to myself. We're also going to build the podcast website. So we're going to have a little funky podcast website at some point. That's true. That's, that's true. And that'll be a lot easier. You can point people in the direction of uh, shelfimpactors.com. <laughs> uh, happy Christmas and a happy new year. And we'll speak very soon. Thanks heaps, everyone. Thanks, Mark. <laughs>